Welcome to Immigration Nerds. This podcast is for everyone seeking the details, context, and facts behind the banner headlines on immigration. It's the podcast that gives you the latest on immigration policy and politics and the real world impacts on the people and businesses that make our world turn. If you believe immigration makes us all better, then this is the podcast for you. Brought to you by the nerds at Erickson Immigration Group, guiding clients and their employees through the complex immigration system for over 20 years. Hello, immigration nerds. I'm Lauren Clark, senior attorney at Erickson Immigration Group. I'm a fellow nerd, an immigrant, and host of this amazing podcast. On every episode, we're joined by the smartest nerds in the know as we cover trends in business, culture, technology, and politics at the intersection of global immigration. Today, we are in search of the facts, context, and understanding of the soon expiring Title 42, statutory authority created decades ago to address public health and social welfare. Title 42 was used at the beginning of the pandemic in 2020 by the administration of then-President Donald Trump in order to regulate border crossings as a COVID-19 precaution. Coming up in a few minutes, the facts on Title 42 and what comes next with David Beer, Associate Director of Immigration Studies at the Cato Institute. But first, we start with a quick roundup of the recent immigration news that we should all be aware of. And I know just the right nerd for that. Hey, Lauren. Hey, Rob. That's my colleague, Rob Taylor, partner at Erickson Immigration Group. Hey, thanks for having me today. Glad to be here to talk a little bit about the latest in immigration news. So what tops the list? Yeah, so I think the main thing that came out uh, recently was regarding the State Department and their plan to roll out a pilot domestic visa renewal program at the end of the year. Uh, so this is particularly important because of the fact that individuals who are working in the U.S. on a visa often need to get a new visa stamp from a consulate anytime that they travel. However, with this new pilot program, it will enable these individuals to actually get their visa stamps from within the U.S. And so that enables them to travel more easily. Uh, it also frees up the consulates to not have to process these visas overseas. This was something that that was done previously, I think back in like 2004, but hasn't been done for, for nearly, I guess, 20 years now. So it'll really make travel much easier for individuals on visas here in the US. Definitely. And I'm sure on the back of COVID-19 and the impact to travel and consulates, it'll be a welcome project. Absolutely. Uh, this will really, I think, give a lot of relief to folks traveling and avoid some of the uncertainty with regards to timing and just overall visa processing. And so with each month, we have the visa bulletin. What's the news on that? Yeah, so the, the March bulletin came out. Uh, there really hasn't been a lot of movement this month, so not much to report there. But we'll continue to keep an eye on it and, uh, and notify folks if there are any significant changes. And as always, we're, we're monitoring, tracking this for our own clients to ensure that they know when the earliest date is that they can apply for a green card. And one of the key things that happens in February is the State of the Union. What was the immigration news coming out of that? Yeah, so I think, you know, the administration is going to continue to focus on dreamers, TPS holders, essential workers. There's no like sweeping reform that is currently underway. Uh, we don't expect anything significant, especially with the change in the House. But what I would call these little wins that we can get here and there, particularly for, for some uh, groups that are a little less represented, are very important. So we'll continue to to monitor the the developments, but hopefully they'll continue to push through legislation to help the dreamers in particular. That is some excellent immigration news there, Rob. But now for some Ericsson immigration news. Yeah, pretty exciting. You know, we are all, always involved in immigration, both in doing the work, but also promoting it and helping educate 
you know, others about it. And so most recently, our own senior managing attorney, Nyanka Regal, she participated in a virtual presentation with the Global Mobility Journeys Group. Uh, this was a great opportunity for her to kind of share her experience and, and educate some folks on what it is that she does. Additionally, one of our partners, Alejandra Zapatero, participated in the Bay Area Mobility Management Annual Conference. She partnered with Synergy Global Housing to talk about from a rookie to the big leagues of mobility, everything you need to know and afraid to ask. So we're always out there, always involved and uh, doing our best to keep folks educated in the industry. Amazing. And speaking of achievers with Ericsson Immigration Group, I think we should take a moment to congratulate Ericsson Immigration Group partner Hiba Onver for being named to the 2023 Rising List by the National Association of Women's Lawyers. Yeah, this is really a fantastic accomplishment for Hiba. It's really on her heart to promote and push women in the law. Uh, she's done a lot within our law firm, but also just a lot within the industry. We're really proud of her hard work and to see her being acknowledged and want to cheer her on. Now that was exactly the right immigration nerd for that. So thanks, Rob. Now for a conversation focused on the US government's COVID-19 public health emergency, which is set to end on May 11th, and with it, Title 42, statutory authority created decades ago to address public health and social welfare. In a February 6, 2023 brief filed before the Supreme Court, the Biden administration reiterated its intent to terminate the US government's COVID-19 public health emergency on May 11th. And back in August 2021, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, order prolonging the Title 42 pandemic policy, stated that the Title 42 ends when the public health emergency ends. Here now to talk with us about all of this, including the statutory authority questions that exist around Title 42 and further immigration policy shifts we can expect, it's David Beer, Associate Director of Immigration Studies at the Cato Institute. Welcome back to the podcast, David. Thanks for having me. David, back in March 2020, at the beginning of the pandemic, Title 42 was used by the administration of then President Donald Trump in order to regulate border crossings as a COVID-19 precaution. Let's start with a bit of a primer for everyone. As you understand it, from your perch as a scholar of immigration studies, David, what is Title 42 and what has it meant for immigration at the southern border? Title 42, as, as implemented by the Department of Homeland Security and, and Border Patrol at the border, is essentially a policy that denies people who are arrested in the border region or attempt to cross uh, at legal crossing points, the right to request asylum or other relief from removal from the United States. And so under the CDC's order, Department of Homeland Security is required to expel as rapidly as possible an individual who crosses the border or attempts to cross the border into the United States. And so that's how it plays out at the level of the border. I, I would say, what is it meant for immigration? It's a real mix. You know, it's totally transformed what it means to cross into the United States for asylum seekers, for people coming for economic opportunity here. For many years, if you go back decades, Mexicans were the main driver of illegal immigration. Over 99% of all of Border Patrol arrests prior to 2009 or so were 
Mexicans. And we've seen a huge resurgence in Mexican illegal immigration under Title 42. And that's because most of these people do not expect to receive asylum. They were not going to request asylum. They are trying to enter the United States and evade detection of Border Patrol. And so the punishment under Title 42, the really the only punishment under Title 42 is that you are denied the ability to request asylum if you're caught. And so because that is not a penalty that Mexicans are worried about or, or concerned about, they have crossed in much greater numbers than before the pandemic. And so what we've seen is the number of Mexican crossers has increased dramatically, basically a four or five fold increase from what we were seeing before the pandemic. And what ends up happening is when they're caught, they're put right back on the other side of the border, usually within a couple of hours, very little detention. They're not prosecuted criminally. Uh, about 40% of Mexicans who crossed illegally prior to the pandemic were prosecuted criminally and you know, put in a federal prison as a, as a consequence of crossing the border illegally and in violation of, of criminal law. And, and now all those penalties and risks of penalties are out the window. And so what we've seen is much greater increase in those crossing uh, from Mexico. And then the other region closest to the United States, the, the Northern Triangle of Central America, Guatemala, El Salvador, and Honduras has seen a similar increase among single adults traveling alone. These are mainly people seeking uh, work opportunities in the United States. They're not worried about the consequences of losing asylum. For people who are traveling with their kids, families, they're not likely to try to make it the run around Border Patrol. So that has been a deterrent for that population. We've seen families sort of build up in northern Mexico, sort of waiting for Title 42 to end, waiting for the opportunity to request asylum trying to figure out, is there any way I can enter legally? Is there a legal process here um, at ports of entry? So it's been a real muddle and a, and a real mess. And I would say it's, it's produced a lot of chaos and confusion at the border, um, even more so than what we saw already before Title 42 came into place. And I guess with that, like you have identified Mexico in particular. And so what we've seen in the last month was the Biden administration cleared the way for at least four of the major nationalities that are crossing the U.S.-Mexico border, being Cuba, Haiti, Nicaragua, and Venezuela, to have the ability now to apply in their home countries to migrate legally to the United States. So this comes under a discretionary authority known as parole. Could you elaborate a little bit more about the immediate effects of this having on illegal crossings at the southern border for those particular countries where there is this legal avenue available? Right. So they paired the expansion of Title 42. Initially, Title 42 was just applied to the four countries that I mentioned earlier, Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, and Mexico. Those were the countries that were nationalities that Mexico was willing to accept back. This expansion is Mexico's willingness to renegotiate uh, that deal and allow the United States to expel people from these four additional countries. And what we've seen is 
Since this was announced on January 5th, the rate of illegal crossings by these four nationalities has fallen by about 95%. This is really substantial. We haven't seen anything like this decline during the entire Biden administration among any other nationality. The one exception to that is for Ukrainians who are arriving in great numbers in the spring. Many people remember the the war had just started around this time last year. Russia invaded Ukraine and many Ukrainians who were trying to reunite with family in the United States flew to Mexico because Mexico doesn't require a visa and they could go to a port of entry and request asylum there. And basically what the Biden administration just waived Title 42 for them. They just said, we're not going to apply Title 42. But they kept coming and coming. And then they said, all right, we're going to apply Title 42. We're not going to let you come in legally from Mexico anymore. But you have to apply for parole, which is basically travel authorization outside of the normal categories in immigration law. And apply for parole in Europe, and then you can fly directly. And we saw the same thing happen, about 98% reduction month over month from April to June last year. And and now it's even more. Now it's more than 99% reduction in the number of Ukrainians coming to Mexico and into the United States. As a consequence of this parole policy that's allowing legal residents to sponsor Ukrainians to come into the United States over 100,000 have already been authorized to come through this mechanism. And we more or less have seen an expansion of that to these four additional countries where now U.S. citizens or U.S. legal residents can sponsor them to come. And so there are many people who are holding back in Venezuela or Colombia or Cuba or Haiti or Nicaragua and saying, "Okay, can I line up a sponsor? Is this going to work? Are they actually going to process these applications and let me come legally to the country. And so it's not surprising to me that we've seen the effect that we've seen with the announcement of this parole program. Obviously, Title 42 as well, the expulsion policy is providing that deterrent that's making them consider this legal pathway uh, more seriously and wait rather than just cross the border and request asylum as they had been doing until this recent announcement. And so I think with that, we can really see that where we take what could be considered a humanitarian approach to immigration, particularly that with our southern border, where we offer lawful pathways into the United States, that it's having a positive impact on the percentage of illegal immigration across the border. Would you agree? Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's the legal channels that's providing this disincentive to come to the border illegally and uh, try to evade Border Patrol under Title 42. We don't have such a policy for Mexicans or the Northern Triangle countries, and so we have huge numbers of those people crossing and and then trying to evade detection by Border Patrol. And that's a chaotic situation. You know, we we see the recidivism of uh, people crossing, getting caught and sent back, and then crossing again. We don't see this among Ukrainians, um, even though if you cross the border illegally as a Ukrainian, you're not going to get expelled back uh, to Mexico and you're not going to be deported to Ukraine either. 
So there's not really a, even a disincentive there from doing that as a Ukrainian, but we still see these huge drops in uh, the number of Ukrainians coming because of this legal pathway. And the same is going to be true for these other countries. Uh, if you actually have a viable legal option, and even if it's not immediately available to you, as long as it's, you know, there's a near term prospect that it could be available, that's enough to dissuade people from making the dangerous journey to the border and, and try to cross illegally. And I think that's particularly true when we look at the consequence of not utilizing that lawful pathway. You know, if we have a look at the DHS intention to issue a notice of proposed rulemaking that will provide that individuals who circumvent available established pathways to lawful migration and also fail to seek protection in a country through which they traveled on their way to the United States will be subject to a rebuttable presumption of asylum ineligibility in the United States, unless they meet an exception that will be specified. So with that, could you talk about expedited removal under Title VIII authorities? Right. So Title VIII is basically our immigration laws, and that's what's being replaced by Title 42, which is immediate expulsion. What they're proposing here is a very similar to a policy under the Trump administration, which was an asylum ban for people who crossed the border illegally. And, you know, they're kind of avoiding that language, making it a little bit more complicated and, and convoluted by talking about a rebuttable presumption of asylum ineligibility. It's an, a ban on asylum. And then maybe there's going to be an exception if you're, you know, going to be tortured and you show up with evidence of that or you're a note, noteworthy figure. But the bottom line is the vast majority of people who are crossing the border are not going to be able to overcome the presumption, which is the whole p purpose of, of doing this uh, policy is to make it so that people don't want uh, to come to the United States for asylum. And yeah, it's this is the this is what they're going to do to replace Title 42. Title 42 is going to go away, but we're going to ban asylum and then we're going to start deporting people to their home countries in much greater numbers than we're doing now, if we can. And in the case of of these countries where we can't deport people to their home country because there aren't any flights to Venezuela, uh, Cuba won't accept people back from the U.S., uh, Nicaragua, you know, very limited, um, Haiti is just a, a total disaster zone over there. So, and, and it's logistically difficult. So what they're going to do is, you know, this is the plan they've laid out, is ban asylum and then uh, deport these four nationalities, which are a third of the people apprehended in the last year, were, were from these four countries, they're going to send them back to Mexico and just essentially deport them to Mexico as, a, as opposed to expel them under Title 42. This is totally unprecedented, certainly on this scale. And you're not even going to get an asylum hearing. It's not going to be like remain in Mexico under the Trump administration, you get sent back to Mexico and you wait for your asylum hearing north of the border. This is, you don't get asylum, you get sent back to Mexico. And I mean, again, we're going to end up in the same situation with Title 42, where you send people back with no opportunity to request asylum, no hope of coming legally. You're going to have them just recross the border illegally 
and try to evade detection from Border Patrol, which is bad for security. It's it's more chaotic. So I don't understand how they haven't learned the lesson from Title 42 by now, that this is a policy that creates more security problems. But I think politically, they don't want to be the ones who say, yeah, you can come to this country and request asylum. No problem. You know, we'll let you do that. It's going to be interesting to see what happens and how that plays out, because a lot of people think that this type of policy was illegal under Trump and just as illegal under the Biden administration. And if you look at the asylum statute, it's crystal clear that you can request asylum regardless of whether you come to a port of entry. You can request asylum regardless of your immigration status in the United States. I mean, that is clearly stated in the law. And so for them to rely on some vague DHS has discretion to make rules about asylum kind of language to trump what the actual statute passed by Congress. I I just I'm very skeptical that it passes muster. But the administration, uh, the last couple of administrations have had success at uh, restricting asylum in various ways. And so nothing is, is clear in the immigration space what courts will do. I guess one of the key things to maybe look into further here is this act of recidivism. You know, since 2020, we saw more than 2 million expulsions of migrants by U.S. Customs and Border Protection at the southern border using Title 42. And now we're in a situation where we could be looking at, you know, the same or if not higher numbers under the new policy proposal. When we look at the numbers from 2022, do you know what the percentage of that was due to recidivism and the effect of Title 42? Right. So about half of all the Title 42 expulsions are of people who had previously crossed the border illegally and were previously expelled under Title 42. So that is a very significant percentage. And then if you look at it in a dynamic way where that is a sign that people are not being deterred by... Uh, this policy. And so the total numbers are much higher. It's even greater than that are, you know, uh, really the consequence of the policy itself driving these higher numbers. So the and the only reason that recidivism isn't even higher is because we have new people being drawn in by the policy that says we're going to just put you back on the border where you can cross again, which they see as a benefit. And Also, by the fact that we have last year 600,000 people evade detection by Border Patrol under Title 42. So those people are almost all recidivists as well. So the true number of people who are crossing again after being expelled under Title 42, we're talking 80, 90 percent recidivism rate uh, when you factor in these other elements. And so looking forward, looking forward beyond Title 42, looking beyond, you know, the new policy where this will be a bar to asylum in addressing either emergent humanitarian immigration needs or dealing with the waves of migration across the U.S.-Mexico border. 
Is there support or do you think that moving forward, a more humanitarian approach focusing on parole is something that we will continue to see from the current administration and future administrations? Well, that remains to be seen. Uh, Several uh, Republican-led states have filed a lawsuit challenging the use of parole, saying we can't use it in this manner, that the administration is using it. I think their their arguments are really meritless. Uh, I think the statutory history of parole, the history of parole is the president gets to decide ultimately whether to process someone legally or not. But at the end of the day, the courts are unpredictable. So if the courts say that we're not going to grant this level of discretion to the president uh, for whatever reason, then that means that this will not be an option for the president going forward. I don't know how they could craft a language that that would produce sort of a nuanced outcome. You know, they're basically talking about the courts rewriting the law to create some new requirement for the use of parole. So I don't know how that plays out. It's very unpredictable. But if it turns out that they're not able to use this authority, then there really is not a humanitarian option left. At the end of the day, it's just illegal immigration or continued expedited removal to uh, people's home countries. So that that's the way I see it. This is sort of the last chance to create order using the parole mechanism. We started with these four countries. It's not far enough. It's not good enough. We need to also pay attention to what's happening in, in other parts of Central America and South America if we want to really reduce the flow dramatically across the board. But this is a start. And if it gets shut down at these early stages, what will the consequence be? I don't think Congress is going to come in and step in and say, yeah, the president can use this authority. Congress is very averse at at this stage to just granting authority to the president. So I think that, uh, you know, that would be a very problematic outcome if uh, the parole authority gets struck down. If it doesn't, then that really does open the door to allowing the president to create lawful pathways for people to seek humanitarian protection. And I think that's, you know, the administration wants to see how it plays out. I don't think they're going to do an expansion of these programs again, unless they see that, you know, the courts have affirmed their decision. Definitely a topic that I know we will be keeping our eye on, and I'm sure our listeners will as well. David Beer, Associate Director of Immigration Studies at Cato, thank you for being with us on the Immigration Nerds podcast. Thank you. And thank you to all the nerds out there listening. You can track everything going on at Ericsson Immigration Group at our website, eiglaw.com. And remember, if you believe immigration makes us all better, then this is the podcast for you. Subscribe and share and meet us right back here for another new episode of Immigration Nerds.